Welcome to Common Ground Church Rondebosch, a community based in Cape Town, South Africa, who believe that if Jesus is who He says He is, that changes everything. Our sermon podcast aims to unpack this reality, rooted in Scripture and dependent on God's Spirit. Psalm 118 verse 1 says, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Please continue listening for today's message. Church. Uh, today's reading will be Matthew 27, verses 27 to 54. Um, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Siren, Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him to him wine to drink, which mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. They, they, then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put this charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So all the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers were crucified with him, also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also, also were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this, is, this was the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ash. 
And friends, can I just give you a minute to pause and let those words sink in, that picture sink in, because that's what we are focusing on this Good Friday morning. Perhaps you just wanna just close your eyes and, and ask God to help you to uh, allow the truth of this Good Friday to really come to you afresh this morning. Lord, what a privilege we have to be here again today on another Good Friday, another good reason to be here worshiping you and thanking you for coming as our Savior. And now as we turn to your word, we want you to speak to us afresh. Even though it might be familiar to many, we want it to be real and true and glorifying to you. In these moments we pray, amen. Well, good morning to you, good Friday morning to you. Great to look out and see that you've come um, for this wonderful morning time together. Well, <clears throat> I go through my Bible as you do, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, our Bibles record the numerous uh, events of this last week of Jesus' life before him going to the cross. If we think back to this last Sunday, this last Sunday was Palm Sunday. Uh, we often forget that, but uh, it was that moment that, uh, that marked Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And the crowd shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And then as we look down at our Bibles, we, we see the headings that have been added to the scriptures um, that lead up to the moment which we're gonna talk about this morning, uh, the plot to kill Jesus. Jesus anointed at Bethany. Judas to betray Jesus. The Passover with the disciples. The institution of the Lord's Supper. Jesus foretells Peter's denial. Jesus prays in Gethsemane the betrayal and the rest of Jesus. Jesus before Caiaphas and the council. Peter denies Jesus. Jesus delivered to Pilate. Judas hangs himself. Jesus before Pilate. The crowd chooses Barabbas. And then Pilate delivers Jesus to be crucified. And it says this, so when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and our children. And then he released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. And then we come to the hugely significant moment in all history. For them at that time, for those who've come since, for us today, for those who will come in the future. We read today about this significant, this hugely significant moment in history. We read today about two hugely significant statements that we find in the passage that Ash read for us. The first is in verse 43, where Jesus said, I am the Son of God. 
And the second is towards the end in verse 54 where they said, truly this was the Son of God. And the question we are asking and answering again today is, how does a person get from the first statement to the second statement? How does a person get from hearing the first truth that Jesus said he is the Son of God to move to believe and to declare the second statement that he is the Son of God? How does a person live then day by day in the truth that Jesus is the Son of God? And then to offer that invitation uh, to a needy world. The invitation of John 3.16 that it remains open for all. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the invitation that remains available. And today's passage tells us how Jesus fulfilled his role as son and savior. The passage tells us what it cost him, what he endured, what it achieved. And these verses help us answer three big questions today. And here's the first one. How how did the people treat Jesus? How did the people treat Jesus? Friends, these verses contain some strong words. Did you see them? Did you hear them? Did you you feel them? The words flogged, stripped, mocked, that came three times, derided, reviled. Jesus, the Son of God, was abused and humiliated. Nothing humane existed in crucifixion. It was barbaric. The flogging of Jesus would have left him lashed, bleeding, and barely able to function. The soldiers epitomized the worst in human nature in their awful, degrading humiliation and scorn. Nothing resembling respect or compassion was offered to Jesus. But instead, mockery, violence, ugliness, and hatred. To the extent that that in Jesus' weakness, the soldiers forced Simon of Cyrene to carry his cross. And then we are horribly familiar with the details of the crucifixion. The impaling of Jesus' body on the cross. The nails driven through his hands. His refusal of the drugged wine to deaden the pain. The stripping of his clothes and the soldiers casting lots. The horrible details. And it wasn't just the soldiers, it was the religious leaders, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. It was the people who passed by, it was the two rebels who hung next to Jesus. They all joined in the mockery and the unbelief. Jesus felt totally abandoned. His disciples had fled, the passerbyers just jeered at him, his enemies gloated at him. 
Jesus hung on the cross alone. And yet as we move towards verse 45, we see that Jesus was not just another man dying on a cross. In fact, the mocking words of religious leaders uh, in verse 41 to 43 declare the reality. And so also the chief priests with the scribes and elders, they mocked him saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusted in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires for him, if he desires for him. For he said, I am the son of God. This is how the people treated Jesus. Now here comes the second question. The second question we're asking ourselves today, well, how did Jesus fulfill God's will? How did Jesus fulfill God's will? The passage told us that Jesus hung there on the cross for about six hours. The darkness of the last three culminating in his cry of abandonment by God. Verse 46 records, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this cry had been penned by, by King David. Uh, we can find that, uh, uh, he wrote that centuries earlier. We find it in Psalm, Psalm 22, which, which foreshadows many of the elements of the last few hours of Jesus' life. Yet there's more, because at a deeper level, the cry fulfills the will and the purpose of God in his divine plan of salvation. And it's in this moment that, that Jesus is identifying fully with human hopelessness and suffering but it's also a cry of deep and eternal truth. Because as Jesus was sacrificing himself and being made sin for us, he was experiencing the outcome of sin in being separated from his father. His forsakenness was at a level we shall never fully know or understand. But yet Jesus was in control. He was in control of his life right up to the end when in a show of strength and accomplishment, he cried out loudly and gave up his spirit. No one took his life from him. He gave it as a ransom for many. He humbled himself, as Paul would later write in Philippians 2, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And what happened? Well, verse 51 to verse 53 record additional features of this powerful moment. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and 
appeared to many. Wow. Darkness, earthquake, people being raised to life, dramatic and miraculous moments. But I want you to notice one thing, the tearing of the curtain in the temple had the greatest significance and symbolic importance for both the gospel writers and for succeeding generations. And you ask why, it's why? Because that curtain separated the holy of holies from the rest of the temple and it's tearing signaled the rejection of the old system of priests and sacrifices that had dominated the temple and its activities. It's tearing signaled the opening of this beautiful new way to God through Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews affirms this wonderful truth. The truth that he says to his readers then, it comes to us today. Hebrews 10 verse 19 says this, therefore brothers and sisters, you and me, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, what should we do? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Yes, Jesus' death did not, could not have gone unnoticed. Everyone knew that something hugely significant had happened. This moment was so powerful that the centurion and the others with him, they changed their minds about Jesus. They changed their minds about Jesus. They had moved from hearing what Jesus said to declaring and believing who Jesus is. That was the power of what Jesus did on the cross. It moved them from hearing, knowing about, to personally believing and declaring who Jesus is. Indeed, he was for them, he is, remains, the Son of God. Hey, Jesus, fulfilled God's will. He did it publicly, he did it completely on the cross. Say thank you, Lord. And this leads us to our third question this morning. How does the truth about Jesus change our minds? In fact, our lives. How does the truth of Jesus change or has changed or could change or will change your mind and your life? Because friends, this is the big question we're asking ourselves on this Good Friday 2023. This is the moment when we place ourselves in the account of Jesus' crucifixion. Try and do this. Some of us may be among the scoffers, the mockers, Perhaps you're one who is uncertain. 
you're unconvinced, you're unbelieving. Some of us may be one of like the frightened disciples and we, we're confused and we're fearful, you've perhaps run away. Some of us may be among, among the crowd who just pass by. And some of us may be in that little group of distraught but faithful followers with Jesus to the end. Friend, can I ask you, where are you in the picture? Where do you place yourself? Can I ask you, how do you, how would you describe your relationship with Jesus? Yes, we live in a world where there's so much unbelief, ridicule, ignorance, cynicism, emptiness, hopelessness, joylessness, it abounds. Why? Why? Because people don't understand why Jesus died. People don't understand why Jesus died. But praise God, we who are Christ followers, we do know why. We know why he died and we alone hold that truth. We alone hold that gift for a world, for so many people who desperately need to know it, who desperately need to change their minds, who desperately need to accept and believe that truly, Jesus is the Son of God. And you ask, well, why, why do people need to do that, to know that? Well, let's go back to that beautiful verse and more verses from God's Word because John 3.16 says this. Let's say it again together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have lasting life. Titus 3 verse, uh, chapter three, verse three says this, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slave to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy hated by others and hating one another. But, (laughs) best word. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's the truth. That's why Jesus died for us. And so it leads us to this beautiful invitation we find in Romans 10 where it says, for the scripture says, 
everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Everyone who believes in Jesus, my friend, will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing or generously giving his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Just while your eyes are closed, friend, I want to talk to you first before we talk to God. I want to ask you, friend, as you sit there this morning, you just personally where you are, not thinking about the one next to you or the one at home, just thinking about you. Have you come to the point this morning that you realize that you need to change your mind? That you haven't really believed You haven't really put your faith and your trust in Jesus as the Son of God. You haven't come to that point of of deciding, of submitting your life to him. You can do that right now. God's word says that if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Wow. Wow. And then can I speak to another one? Perhaps you need to come this morning and to renew your faith and your relationship so that you can truly say thank you, Jesus, I know that you're the son of God, that you died for me, that I've believed in you, my sins have been forgiven, I have received the gift of eternal life. And you come this morning and you want to just refresh that devotion to him, that commitment to him, you want to affirm it. Well, you can say, yes, Lord, that's what I want to do today. And then for others, you just want to come and say, thank you. (laughs) I I do. I want to again say, Jesus, I am so grateful. I so appreciate you've changed my life because I believe that you are the son of God and I continue to do that. And Lord, here we are this morning. Each one you know personally. You're speaking into our lives because you love us and you want us to to be your true sons and daughters, both now and forever. And you've made that possible. You've made it possible for our sins to be forgiven, for us to come into a true and personal relationship with the living God, and that forever. And so Lord, by your spirit, will you just come and, and bring that conviction because you love each one. Bring that desire to change change minds, to renew minds, to bring new excitement and vigor and enthusiasm and gratitude into our lives as Christ follows as we live in these days. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.